Hey, Pat, how's it going? We're here with another podcast. This is Jamie and Patrick. Excited to jump into the Bible with you today. Let's start with a 10 seconds of pop culture. Pop culture today? Taylor Swift's new album. Oh, geez. Five, four, three, two, one. Okay, now into uh, the Bible. (laughs) Today, we're in uh, James chapter five. We're just grinding along. We have this week. And then next week, and then we're done with James. All right, James. See you later, man. Now, last time I did a message series on James. Yeah. I, in my message writing, because your name's Jamie. It is. similar. Very Very, similar. Yeah, right. In my message writing, I accidentally wrote Jamie more often than I wrote James. Good. I'm glad you were thinking of me. It threw me off when I was up there doing my message, reading along and following along with my notes and... Ran across your name. If it makes you feel any better on St. Patrick's Day, I think about you a lot. Oh. <laughs> that, because that's your just Patrick. one day. I know. Sorry. You get one. Okay. <laughs> and Great. where are we at here? James, uh, James chapter 5. Uh, we're going to look at verses 1 through 12. It's two different stories. Great. It says this. Now listen, you rich people. Weep and wail because of the misery that is coming on you. Your wealth has rotted and moths have eaten your clothes. Your gold and silver are corroded. Their corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. You have hoarded wealth in the last days. Look, the wages you failed to pay the workers who mowed your fields are crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. You have lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You have fattened yourself in the day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered the innocent one who was not opposing you. Now, it's going to go into a different story right after this. So let's just conquer this first little chunk. Okay. There's a lot. And and then we'll conquer the next chunk next. It starts off rough. Talking about rich rich people, rich oppressors. Mm -hmm. Now, listen, you rich people. Now, Jamie, I don't know the the context. About how many people... uh, would fall under that category that oh, would man. be receiving this letter. What do you think? You know, what's interesting in the book of James is that it does talk about you rich people. And it also talks about poor people. Mm-hmm. And I don't think we really know how many people would be considered rich, how many people would be considered poor. What we do know is if you were rich, you kind of had to be uh, sort of in line with uh, the Roman authorities of the time. Like okay. you couldn't kind of be like a sideline, like doing your own thing, uh-huh. um, which it sort of meant if you were rich, you were probably kind of doing some, maybe some shady business. The other people who were rich or who had been rich were folks who were getting rich off of uh, the temple system. But um, I think when people think about rich people in this era and we think about this letter as a general letter, most people did not consider themselves rich. Okay. So this and is for a, a select few, you think? It, it is for a select few. And what's interesting, too, is that uh, the poor people also, a lot of folks, I don't know if they would consider themselves poor who were hearing this letter. So this is sort of like for the middle class folks. Um, and maybe some of them are rich and they just don't know. But the way being wealthy works Uh, what I've at least heard about it uh, and experienced is anyone who's rich, they, they don't think they're rich Yeah, because they know someone who has more. Right. Sure. And so, you know, maybe you have $5 in your bank account. uh, But 
you actually have a bank account. Yeah. Like that, that's something, right? Okay. Or maybe you're like super bummed that your car is falling apart, but you have a car, you know? Yeah. Or, or maybe you uh, have a really hard time thinking about uh, how you're going to pay rent the next month, but you have a place to live. Sure. So like all of those things, we would say, well, you know, is that person poor? There's always going to be someone who's poorer than you, but really there's always going to be someone who's richer than you. Yeah. I heard a study, not a study, it was a, an interview with, with a couple who had, their their personal wealth was was over $200 million. Whoa, dang. And I think officially you can say you're rich if you have over $200 million. Sure. And their response, someone was interviewing them about being wealthy and they said, oh, we're rich, but we're not that rich. You should see our friends. Yeah. Like, we can't do the things our friends do. You know, we don't have you know, the right private jet, or we don't have, you know, these types of houses, or we can't afford to do the vacations they do, even though we have all of this money. Yeah. Um, So I I think it's helpful to look at this and to think, well, how am I rich when we read it? Yeah. Uh, Or we can look at it and say, um, and I think what the point of this is, we're jumping into it, is being rich doesn't mean you're blessed by God. Yeah, right. And James opens up, Listen, you rich people, weep and wail because of the misery that is coming on you. Okay, wow. Uh, <laughs> kind of rough. Yikes. Your wealth has rotted, and moths have eaten your clothes. Your gold and silver are corroded. Okay, now, your wealth has rotted. Dang, that's like something that's rotten or rotting is kind of kind of gross. Yeah. Uh, moths have eaten your clothes. Have you ever experienced that? I have. Okay. So if that's you, like if you to- live in one totally place, a it's a thing. If you live in one place long enough and you have clothes that are made out of natural fibers, uh-huh. especially like wool and things like that, moths will come in and they'll eat little holes in it and there'll be little tiny holes in your clothing. And you're Dang. like, dude, bummer. There's a hole in my clothes. Yeah. Um, and usually that's just because it's it's been sitting yeah. and moths come and take things away. This is kind of like this uh, this whole idea that everything kind of comes from dust and to dust it returns. Yeah. Um, you know, you can have something that's super nice and you wait 10 years and all of a sudden it's a piece of junk and you don't want it anymore. Yeah. Um, everything has a shelf life. And even in verse three, your gold and silver are corroded. Dang. I mean, that has a shelf life too. I'm kind of glad that we live in a world today where our money is kind of yeah. Hypothetical almost in a bank account. Right. So like wealth is rotted. Yeah. People are like, okay, I get that. Moths have eaten. Yeah, that's normal. Now your gold and silver corroding. Silver, uh, maybe a little bit more, but gold doesn't corrode. At all? It, it, it's actually known. Like that's why they, they use it on electronics and stuff because oh. because it does not corrode in the way that other metals do. Uh-huh. And, and it's very conductive. So... Yeah, you can polish it up and make it look better. But what's kind of crazy is, is as you're going deeper into this, James is kind of making this point, like, even if you think it's going to last forever, like gold is one of those things, like this is going to last forever. It's always going to be valuable. Um, James is like, no, it can go away too. Um, Yeah. You know, their corrosion, he says, will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. Nasty. What? (laughs) Um, (laughs) The corrosion of your wealth, basically, is going to be uh, what pronounces you guilty. It's going to be the evidence that you're guilty. And not only that, but it's really going to tear you apart. Um, Eat your flesh like fire sounds like about the worst thing I could think. Yeah, that sounds disgusting. 
you know, I turned on the stove the other day at my house and it's a gas one, you know, the, the top or whatever. And I hear the click. It goes click, 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 boom. Yeah. And then it lights. And I heard the click and it wasn't lighting. And I kept the click going, wasn't lighting. And then nice. all of a sudden, bam, it went like a big fireball. <laughs> nice. And uh, and you know that that distinct smell of like the hair on your knuckles burning? Yeah. That was what came up next. So Ooh. when I when I read this, your flesh your uh, will eat your flesh like fire, I can almost smell how awful yeah. that could be. Yeah. This is this is not a pretty picture. Right. Na- nasty. <laughs> you have hoarded wealth in the last days. So yeah. just collecting up wealth. Look, the wages you failed to pay the workers who mowed your fields are crying out against you. Wow. Okay. I mean, that's just, I read that and kind of got sad. It's like these people are out here working and they didn't get paid and they're probably sad and angry crying yeah. out against you. And that's a common thing. You know, when people are powerless uh, or they're the lowest paid people, they're the ones who get in, in Patrick's words, they get gypped. Yeah, they get gypped. They get gypped right. more, more, more often than the folks who are at the top. Right. Yeah. And it has a greater significance. So, um, and people do this. You know, I, my my dad used to long time ago painted houses for a living, and you would be amazed at how many people don't pay. Yeah. Right. Well, and, then what? You unpaint the house. Like, yeah, yeah. What are you gonna unpaint the house? So uh, there's people who don't pay. There's people who prolong payment. Yeah. Uh, and there's folks who are just being cheap and nasty. There's contractors who take in all the money, and then uh, they don't pay their workers until their workers uh, actually do crazy things. Like they'll put liens on the properties that they were working on. Yeah, yeah. And then the customer goes to the general contractor and says, you know. Hey, what's going on? Uh, you guys are putting liens. You need to pay your workers. Yeah. Um, I was recently out in um, Palm Desert, Ooh. and there's a lot of grass out there. And wait, really? Yeah, which oh. is weird. All the <laughs> resorts and stuff, they like to have grass because it looks cool. The desert. It's the desert. It's hot, so they yeah. dump a bunch of water out there. They have grass, but they have. I've never seen more people mowing grass in my life than in the few days I was there. Hmm. There's giant operations of people who just mow grass. There's all these workers. It's really Dang. hot out. Yeah. And they're outside doing this really hard work. Huh. Back then, when they're talking about mowing fields, uh, those are folks who are basically, instead of those big giant harvesters where they, you know, we have now that are like GPS controlled. <laughs> yeah, you sit. Yeah. Yeah. This is like people out by hand cutting all of the grasses to turn into grains like barley and wheat and all that kind of yeah thing. yeah and so you know these people made money off these workers yet they're not paying them and it says the cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the lord almighty that is such a a neat verse it really is it's neat because for us we can think you know if we're mistreated or not paid or uh, we work and and there's an injustice god hears it yeah absolutely that's uh, really cool. The pe- the rich people have lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You fattened yourselves in the day of slaughter. Okay, so they <laughs> these people, one of my favorite terms to say is that, like these people were living high on the hog. They were high you on know? the hog. These were the Kobe <laughs> beef of people, right? They yeah. were drinking the right beers and eating the right, you know, foods and just getting themselves plump and fat. Yeah, as high this on the thing hog. says, you know, not just to make themselves feel good. Uh, what they're saying here is because they're going to be slaughtered. 
Yeah. Yeah. You have condemned and murdered the innocent one who was not opposing you. Yeah. Now, um, the innocent one is kind of an interesting term because it could be the hypothetical one. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, anyone who, who gets, uh, who gets condemned or murdered, um, it's a hypothetical person. But if, if we read this too, we might even say, well, could that be Jesus? Yeah. Uh, you know, you've condemned and murdered the innocent one who wasn't opposing you. Right. Yeah. Right. So, um, that's, you know, one way of looking at it, but we look at all these, these people, these rich people, and this is a warning to them. And a warning is something to say, change your ways. This is kind of a prophetic word. Like this is not going to go well for you. Yeah. Back in this era, people thought if you were rich and wealthy, God was showing favor to you. Mm. And we still think that today. And we also think if we're poor and not doing well financially, that somehow God is against us. And I think that both of those things are equally untrue. Yeah. The reality is, is that God shows grace and favor on whoever God wants to, uh, but also that the grace and favor of God is not connected entirely to our wealth. Oh yeah, the grace and favor of God can't be measured. Right. And having it be associated with wealth is by and large measuring it. Uh, it's a no- numerical value they can right. put on it, and that's not how the grace of God works. Yeah, it'd be interesting, you know, if people were like, man, God really loves me. Look at my bank account. Um, and, and there is reality that every every good and perfect gift is from the Father, right, of heavenly lights. We read that earlier in James. That everything comes from God and that everything is ultimately a gift of God. Uh, but But some of the most blessed people I've known are not people who have a bunch of money. Yeah. And some of the people who have a bunch of money are miserable people too, That's, right? Yeah, sure. And there's things that they may not have. They may not have uh, health. They may not have family. They may not have relationships. They may not have that sense and assurance of salvation that they know where they're going, right? Yeah. And so James is trying to is trying to encourage people to say, don't worry about all this financial stuff. Uh, don't be freaked out about it. Yeah. Um, God is the one who is going to initiate justice and the, the rich folks who are oppressing, who are murdering, who are doing bad things, God's going to take care of it. Yeah. Now to conquer this last little chunk, patience in, in suffering, this whole passage says this, be patient then brothers and sisters until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too, be patient and stand firm, because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance, and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Above all, my brothers and sisters, do not swear, not by heaven or by earth or by anything else. All you need is a simple yes or no. Otherwise, you will be condemned. Hey, that's the word of the Lord, by that's, the way. Yeah, the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Sorry, I totally well, we forgot didn't, We that. didn't finish. Yeah. We didn't get all the way through, so we <laughs> had to put go. it at the end. Thanks. Um, patience and suffering. So if you're suffering, usually the last thing you want is patience. Yeah, if you're suffering, the last thing you have you're thinking about is patience. Yeah, in fact, it, when people are physically suffering, patience is one of the things they lose. 
Uh-huh. Uh, if, if you know anyone who's had chronic pain in their life or dealt with that, um, usually those people are a little like mm, ill-tempered because they're in pain. And, and suffering is not something that usually gives us uh, a lot of patience. But James is encouraging the people. He's like, hey, be patient. You know, wait. Like, you know, verse 7 says, see how the farmer waits for the land to yield its crops. You know, a farmer doesn't go out there, stare at the ground and get you know, <laughs> upset and miserable because, you know, corn isn't shooting up out of the yeah. ground at him. <laughs> you you got to wait. You got to be patient. Yeah. You know, in Minnesota, they have a saying because they grow a lot of corn out there. They plant the corn and they say to be on track it has to be knee high by the 4th of July. Knee high by the 4th of July. That's a good That's a good thing to know. Yeah. I never heard that before. But the life of a farmer is, by and large, waiting. And then it's working really, really hard. My, my cousin's a farmer. And he, in the harvest season, he works round the clock. Yep. It doesn't matter if it's nighttime, daytime, if it's raining, snowing, whatever. I, he'll go and take a few-hour nap here and there. But other than that, you have a, a limited window of time to get that valuable crop. Yep. Um, but they plant the crops in June, sometimes May, and then it is waiting until August, September, October, even November. Yeah. A uh, lot of lot of patience and you know also prayer. I think f- farmers rely heavily on their on their faith. You know that they're mm-hmm. putting their faith that they're going to have an abundant crop because that's by and large their income, their their means of life, how they make a living. So yeah. I think farmers, it's really interesting to associate with this patience yeah. piece. And that's a good point because being patient, like in verse 8, uh, it says, you two be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Being patient is not passive. Right. Waiting for God is not passive. It's active. And maybe that's standing firm. Um, and standing firm is still standing. It doesn't yeah. say, go take a nap, go do whatever you want and wait for something to happen to you. It's stand firm in the faith. Yeah. Because God's coming is near. And what's cool about this phrase is this phrase is still true. God's coming is nearer than it was when this was written. Yeah, absolutely. Which which is uh which is cool. Yeah. Uh, does that mean it's gonna be tomorrow? I don't know. I kinda I, I kinda don't think tomorrow, but I could be wrong. Yeah. Um, right. <laughs> you know, that means this podcast would never come out. Uh this one's yeah, this one's coming out tomorrow. Oh it is. Oh wow, <laughs> yeah. okay. Well, there you go. Yeah. Um but we don't know. People like to guess and whatever, but I think the point that James is making is stand firm. Uh, and then he also gives us another thing to do in verse 9. Yeah, don't grumble against one another or you will be judged because the judge is standing at the door. Yikes. Can you imagine if there was always like a cop and a judge standing at your door? So like if you ever did anything wrong, they're like, um, yeah, <laughs> saw that. Yeah, <laughs> just like writing down the, the notes. Yeah, that'd be uh, wild. But I mean, Christ is there all the time. Yep, that's right. This is This is not... This should not be alarming to us. Mm-hmm. Christ is actually not just standing at the door. Christ is standing right literally next to you. Christ is dwelling within you. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, this is this is nothing. I'm yeah. In a way, if you are a sinful person or sin a lot, you might be comforted by knowing that Christ is maybe just at the door and not, yeah. full, you know, not in your room with you or not wherever, wherever like fully with you. And it's weird, you know, the, the, the call here isn't like, Stop sinning. It's specific to not grumbling against one another, brothers mm-hmm. and sisters. God wants us to get along in, in like a really profound, deep 
way yeah. where it's not just that we we've learned to get along with each other is that we have this fellowship with one another yeah. because we have fellowship with Jesus and, it, and it's becoming family and it's learning to grow to become more and more like family. So when Christians come together and all they do is grumble against each other and, and, and talk about how, you know, terrible they are to each other and how much damage they've done to each other. Uh, and how that church is terrible and that one, you know, is bad and all that. Um, I think, I think that's probably not good. I have, a, I have a little bit of a, of a, a hard time with that. There, there was a season for me where I went to about six or seven churches. I was kind of doing the church shopping thing, college yeah. years early. And I went to all these, these college aged church things. So it was young adults, college age people, usually with like hit music and some sort of a warehouse space. Like that was kind of the general <laughs> vibe. Wow. And, and there's usually some, you know, some guy would get up there and try to preach and be edgy and maybe throw in like a cuss word or something. So, you know, he'd earn credibility with no one cause no one really cares, but hmm. you know, that was the effort <laughs> back then. This was a certain time and era and edgy. Yeah. yeah edgy. And, uh, and so, and a lot of candles for some reason, everyone had candles in their services, but like these, uh, they used real ones back then before fire marshals cared and led technology wasn't quite, quite a uh, popping yet, but, uh, <laughs> thanks for the visual yeah. on the <laughs> giant bag of tea lights <laughs> storage over here. Yeah. But, uh, so we had, we had all these candles. I went to all these services and every single service I went to the pastor preaching was talk trash about another church. Dang. Every single one. Whoa. And I don't remember their messages, but I remember they're like, well, this church down the street, they really don't know what the gospel is. Or that church over there, they really don't understand what it means to reach the lost. Or this church over here is just all about money and not about anything else. And, and like, I get that uh, to a certain extent. It's probably a lot of what they're saying. There's some truth and validity behind it, but there was no effort to get along. And when you grumble, you're not doing anyone any good. Yeah. Uh, especially when you're grumbling against someone, talk to someone, go to them face to face and have a conversation. Uh, yeah. Because you don't, when you're passing judgment on someone, uh, we always had to remember the end of this verse, right? The judge is right there. That's the right. The real judge is right there. That's right. Yeah. And in verse 10 and 11, brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. And then the example, you have heard of Job's perseverance and I've seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Yes. So the prophets, you look at their lives, they weren't like ballers and, and, you know, hanging out in these giant palaces. They yeah. weren't uh, folks who were just living it up. They're like God has blessed me. I've got everything I need. Yeah. Uh, they were sometimes really miserable. In the case of Elijah, he was really suicidal. I don't know how else to say it. Out in the yeah. desert, waiting to you know to die, yeah. uh, and he he was not doing well. And uh, and we have other prophets who've had had to do some really odd things, and most of them were telling people things they didn't want to hear. Well, I I think that's why James particularly points out Job. Because Job was living high on the hog before everything was kind of taken away. High on the hog. He had all sorts of kids, a lot of uh, land, a big a house, wealth. a lot of wealth. A lot of respect. And and in the course of a few days, all that was gone. Yep. And not only that, he got some wild skin disease. 
Oh, health was <laughs> yeah. gone too. Yeah, health was gone too. And pain. But then, like it, like we know from the story of Job, uh, the Lord brought about compassion and mercy, gave Job perseverance. But it took a lot. But it, I, it did. It took a lot. And it took God, uh, you know, God's presence and God speaking in the story of Job is kind of where the tide turns. Yeah. Everyone else speaks and gives their sermons and yeah. says, here's what you should think. And, and even Job and then God shows up and kind of just, you know, drops a bomb on all of them. And yeah. And it's like, Hey Job, where were you when I created the earth? That's right. Right. Well, even Job's friends in that, in those moments were saying, just curse God and die. Just give up. Yeah. His wife said that. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. Like, yeah. Holy smokes. Harding, Harding word. Curse God and die. Peace. Yeah. But yeah, God spoke through a whirlwind and turned it around. And But did you have to use the examples of the creation of the world to kind of make Job realize what was going on? Yeah, Job, Job uh, he did have perseverance, and that was the only thing he could do. So maybe some of you, wherever you guys are at, you... You want to do something to solve a problem, but what is really required is just perseverance and patience. Right. Uh, and, and a lot of times that's the answer. In fact, yeah. more times than we think the answer is perseverance and patience. Right. And instead we try to fix it ourselves. And the more we try, maybe the digger, bigger hole we dig. Right. Um, so so this, is, this is James just saying, hey, look at Job. Look at Job. Uh, be patient, stand firm. Um, this is what people in the past have done. This is what people should do. So uh, lastly, what does he tell us? Above all, my brothers and sisters, do not swear, not by heaven or by earth or by anything else. All you need to say is a simple yes or no. Otherwise, you will be condemned. There yes. we go. Yes yeah. or no. Yes or no. And this comes from straight out of uh, the Sermon on the Mount that mm. Jesus gives out of Matthew 5. Let your yes be yes and your no be you know. And when it says swearing, it doesn't mean like saying bad words. That's not what it's talking about. Uh, it's people would swear by things. Like I swear on the, you know, I don't know what the common phrase would be. You know, when you swear by someone's life or you swear by all the gold and or I swear by all the money in my bank account yeah. kind of a thing. Right. Um, when you do that, you're putting a value to your word, right? You're saying my word is as good as whatever this thing is. Yeah. And... And here, James is reminding us of what Jesus says. And he's like, you can't swear by heaven. You can't swear by earth because those, those aren't yours. Right. 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 Um, all you have to do is just say yes, say no, yep. and then live into that. Right? That's right. Yeah. Be, a pe be people of your word. Yeah. Boom. So there we go. Out of time. Right on time. Perfect. Thanks for checking out today's devotional. And we'll be back again next week. See you then.